Blog Talk Radio.
Olo D, the Forge of Town, Olofa, the Arrow Shooter, Afi Oluk Vang O Daju Ijaru, User of Baton to Cause More Confusion. Listen and you shall hear me in the wind. Know it is my thunder that gives a warning in the dark. Do not dare deny me through false tongue, my daughter. Do not anger me with fences of blindness. For you must run wild and free of injustice to celebrate me. And it is you who must call forth the storm of change. You are now listening live and always in archive at your leisure and convenience to the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokor, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, universal, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African Hudu world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and my ever-living reality. It is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my teaching, my walk, my works along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, the divine prince, make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Father Earth. And it is my personal place of power and inner standing the place from where I began, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is, Ashe. Today is Thursday, December 6, 2018, and I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you live virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally from this working temple of the house of the Divine Prince, Thai Potion, the central Black Hawk voodoo in this legendary, historic, beautiful, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this spiritualist hoodoo obey a life path and journey passing down that great obia stick along with the knowledge of the healing, life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, and minerals. I am always humbled and honored by those who join me here at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time for the Power Lunch, Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes, here on Blog Talk Radio, and always in archive at your leisure and convenience at www.blogtalkradio.com, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. My live listening and call-in number is area code 347-215-8967, 347-215-8967. 
1-800-646-7467. Please, when you're ready with your question, comment, or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I'll be more than have conversation. My website, where I can be reached, utilizing various means, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, operating in 360 degrees of well-documented revelation and manifestation is www.houseofthedivineprince.com, www.houseofthedivineprince.com. And also, please find me and Historic Treme at OurSacredStories.com www.OurSacredStories.com. And we just got another invitation, invite, request to do another voodoo marriage, voodoo ceremony earlier today. And I I want people to understand that Our Sacred Story not only uh, provides tours, but we provide an experience. And we are available for weddings, ceremonies, burials, all sorts of life transitions. We are available to be present with you and for you in whatever your need. I want to talk today, um, as always, about as many things as I can in, in the 30 minutes time space that I have here on the show. Always understanding, respect the voodoo, respect the ancestors, having a clear understanding of who we are and where we come from and how we show up in the world today, particularly as it relates to sacred space. Sacred space is an ongoing theme that we've done many shows about throughout the course of, of the nine seasons that I've been here on Block Talk Radio. Um, it's always appropriate. It's always right on time. It's always the most um, needed thing in its um, moment in time space that we talk and share this subject. And I always get a lot of great feedback on the shows um, that we do of, of this sort as it relates to not just sacred space, but but the creation of an environment in which we can apply and practice and live out the traditions that we today hail so highly and so closely um, to our hearts and our minds. Uh, we often see, uh, as you hear me refer to it, the Orisha romance as it shows up in, in social media. And, and the Orisha romance is worldwide, by the way. Uh, how strongly it speaks to or, or suggests the the full embracement of European culture and, and in a larger sense, traditional African-based religious systems, uh, it still remains to be enumerated. The survival and the power of voodoo cannot be understated, and particularly in an environment in which we are looking at the ancestors of the Middle Passage, the descendants of the mid-Atlantic slave trade, 
and their present most relationship with their lineages and their ancestral roots. Many people are claiming Yoruba today who are not Yoruba. Many people are claiming Orisha today who are not adherents of Ifa. <laughs> Many are claiming uh, traditional ATR, African-based traditional systems today as a fashion, as a cloak, as a look, as a mask, and are still demonstrating because our demonstrating speaks the most truth to, to indeed who we are and, and what we say we believe. Their demonstration speaks to a, a still greatly unfilled void in the hearts and the minds and the souls and the spirits of many African Americans, Africans born here in the U.S. Uh, and I'm beginning to see this problem mirrored even in West Africa in nations that have become predominantly Christian and Islamic and hold to these traditions for their cultural value, for their tourist value. There's an economic value associated with tourist demonstrations of culture. But how much active lifestyle demonstration are we are we seeing, are we observing? Are we meeting our beloved brothers and sisters and cousins of the continent, descendants of the same ancestors who would have been present, who would have been involved, who would have had some some mark on our uh, uh, being sent into enslavement uh, by way of the Middle Passage? How readily and how well have we addressed those spirits, those ancestors? And so when our brothers and sisters of West Africa are reaching out to us through social media today, how then are they reaching out to us and what is the demonstration? Is the demonstration just about love spells and get-rich-quick schemes and, and all the like of which could be propagated by anybody on the planet. Often these profiles don't have faces, don't have names, don't have uh, these practitioners operating in the community in an authentic way that is documentable, that can be archived, that can be marked as, as truth. And so the spirits of voodoo are standing up today, are rebirthing themselves today, and are doing so in the lineage of the blood of the Africans who have survived, who have walked through fire, who have come out of the Middle Passage, out of slavery, and have now emerged and evolved in a day and time of technology and awareness and, and wealth and, and access to resources that has never existed before. Uh, some say, and particularly south of the border, that the, the voodoo spirits of, of West Africa have gone dormant, have gone quiet, are not being rebirthed, are not being remade, are not being... Uh, um, uh, implanted in a new generation 
that can then carry that lineage forward. And so it is believed that their stories will be confined to the archives and books of authors and anthropologists and storytellers and those who have done the work over the course of the years to document their own story, their own footprint about who we are, about who we are. And and if you're really listening, and I know you are, I have several people on the phone lines. Please feel free to join in when you're ready. You understand that I'm suggesting that it is not our story that is being told. It is a story of those who have power, position, money, means, but, but more importantly, the desire to document our story. And so often when we look at the documenters, uh, there's an old African uh, saying about uh, the lions, and, and the lions are a a symbol of all natural life in, on the continent. But, but there's a saying that until the lions write books, until they tell their story, then their stories will always be told by, by the hunter. And so we must begin to first identify who we are in this, in this hodgepodge of energy and history and lineage and culture and, and revivalism and revolution and anger and fear. We must first truly identify who we are and the voodoo that stands up in us and then project that out first in our in our realm of reality, in your personal experience. Many people come to this because of a need, just like any religion, just because, like any uh, form of healing. Uh, people come to this for, usually for a human need first, and then they evolve a deeper, better understanding of themselves and then how to apply this in their lives. Voodoo cosmology centers around the voodoo spirits and other elements of divine essence, that a hierarchy that range in power from major deities governing the forces of nature and human society to the spirits of individual streams, trees, rocks, as well as dozens of ethnic voodoo defenders of a certain clan, tribe, Nation, And so when we see paths in voodoo, we look back to the root. We look back to the mother tree, if you will. We look back to the womb of creation, and we see voodoo being birthed on the continent. But then we see voodoo being transported by way of the Middle Passage and being reborn, redeposited in, in new lands, in a new environment, under new circumstances, positioned to to defeat, protect against very new challenges. The voodoo are the center of our religious life. And when I say voodoo, I don't mean voodoo, the religion. I mean the deities, the powers themselves, are the center of our religious life. And And many perceive similarities with with Roman Catholic doctrine, with church symbolism, 
such as the intercession of saints and angels. And this allowed voodoo to appear compatible to some degree with Catholicism and helped produce synchronistic religions such as Haitian voodoo, Dominican voodoo, 12 divisions, Sanse, uh, Maria Leonza. It was allowed to mask our traditions so that they would not only survive in this new world, but evolve to meet new challenges. Many say that voodoo's primary emphasis was not revolution on the continent. Until colonization, colonialization, um, the missionaries bring their religion to a, to a so-called bastardized and, and, and less than human race of people, we saw this mix first as something that was uh, sent to destroy and, and, and take life and now bring it to a place where we are now having to continue to fight for the protections of life, health, strength, liberty. Uh, on the last show, I, I said many of the same reasons that we would have had to to seek voodoo for revolution during the time of enslavement still exists today, but it is still a new condition compared to what the spirits were in place to defend, protect, provide for prior to uh, the the uh, middle passage and the slave trade. Adherents of voodoo also emphasize ancestor worship. You've heard me say ancestor worship is, is 50% of what this is really all about because you can't come into voodoo without being clear about lineage. And, and now when I say voodoo, I say it interchangeably with ATR. Any West African-based traditional system, whether it be Yoruba, Akan, Fon, Ebe, Igbo, it's going to be specific to that house, that family, that tradition, that path. And we've been allowed to keep the mistruth alive that somehow we lost our gods, we lost our lineage, we lost some, some connection to who we are by way of the middle passage, and in a relative sense, there's some, some truths there. But modern technology has even the playing field in terms of uh, first the Internet and now DNA that allows us to gain better, more accurate information about who we are and lineage and who our people are and who our families are. We not only continued ancestor worship on this side of the, the Atlantic, and particularly here in, in New Orleans. I would say that New Orleans is probably the, the more specialized locations on this side of the Middle Passage in terms of practice and tradition. And many of you like to look at Cuba and Brazil and Haiti and, and, and West Africa and, and decide who has maintained authentic lineage and connection to what deities, to what voodoos, to what 
paths to what traditions. And, and I want to go on record to say that the enslaved African population here in New Orleans and Congo Square and, and Louisiana um, maintained our connection to ancestral histories and practices in a much more organized way than, than those south of the border. And we like to look at the system of Lucomi and Santeria uh, and, and say that the Cubans have maintained a well-organized system um, without understanding the Catholic involvement in, in the maintenance of that well-organized system. That is a clear distinction from what has taken place here north of the border, uh, and particularly here in, in Louisiana, where we did not have the backing of the church in any way to continue to practice, organize, and structure ATR out in the open. So much of our mysteries had to go underground. Um, and as always, I'm quickly running out of time. I had a whole list of practitioners here in, in, in the U.S. Um, and, and, of course, we can't say the U.S. because when we're looking at history, we're going back in time before the U.S., before uh, Louisiana Purchase. But, but I want to start to lay out an understanding for you, uh, voodoo priest and priestess, voodoo queens, and 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 male practitioners who existed in some cases right alongside with Marie Laveau, uh, but in many other cases existed long before Marie Laveau, and certainly long before the Haitian Revolution. The idea that uh, Haiti somehow created voodoo and and then brought it to Louisiana is a narrative that has been alive for only about 30 years, but it's an incorrect narrative. It's an untrue narrative, and we must begin to look at not only the middle passage and slavery, but who owned the graves and where were those bodies being brought in from. We now have, again, thanks to some of these more um, modern DNA sources, uh, documentation um, suggesting cargo, because we were considered cargo, and where we were being brought from, and on what ships, and, and, and by name, and in some cases even by number. And so we have to begin to look at voodoo in a more authentic way, uh, from its root to its present-day manifestations here now in the West. We look at the divine creator, Ma-Wo. Ma-Wo is said to be a female deity. Not human, but, but a female power. She is an elder woman when we try and humanize her in symbolism, and usually a mother who is gentle and forgiving. She is also the God of all other gods who birth gives birth to all other deities and even if there is no temple made in her name because we don't erect temples per se to Mawal 
we pray to her. We seek her in the session. We seek her involvement in almost everything we do. If, if we don't sing it, chant it, say it, it is symbolized in the ritual. It's laid down as a ritual. Based on family, ethnic group, Fon, Akan, Iwe, tradition, and one tradition, she bore seven children. Sakpata, the voodoo of the earth, voodoo of justice, Habioso, voodoo of the sea, Akbe, voodoo of iron and war, Gu, voodoo of agriculture and forest, Ajay, voodoo of the air, Zo, the Zo, and voodoo of the unpredictable, Papa Legba. And as I laid out in my previous show, many of these older root spirits of voodoo travel with us through the Middle Passage. Some names like Gu and Legba are much more known to us, much more readily on our tongue. But others like Pervioso, Ache, don't come as quickly to our tongue because we have not done our work as relates to voodoo. There are also manifestations of these spirits, these deities, here in New Orleans, here in Louisiana, masked by other names. Uh, for instance, when we speak of Don and, and Dambala and the Serpent King force that that is implied and is accompaniment of Mawo, Lisa, Lisa, representing the sun aspects, Mawo, representing the, the moon aspects, to just a, an embodiment of a dual cosmogenic principle within my wall, and we say my wall, Lisa, often portrayed as twin children of the creator, which is why we give so much power and authority and recognition to to Marasa, to Ibeji, to the divine twins, that they are often acknowledged very first in a, in a voodoo ceremony. And Lisa, the sun god who brings the day and the heat, and strength and energy. Mawo, the moon, the coolness of night, peace, fertility, the rain, and together they represent the balance of all life. When Liza punishes Mawo, forgive. In other traditions, Legba is represented as Mawo's masculine counterpart, thus being represented as a phallic symbol or as a man with a prominent phallic symbol. Known as the youngest son of Mawo Lisa, Legba is of the most powerful of all voodoo divinities and is believed to be a very old man who walks on crutches. Being old, he is seen as wise, powerful, knowledgeable, full of stories and parables. But when seen as a child, he is seen to be rebellious and full of tricks and trickery. The Bible likes to say, unless you become like a child, you cannot see God, for he is the guardian at the door of the spirits. Dan, who is Mawo's androgynous son, 
as represented as a rainbow serpent, and was to remain with her and act as a go-between with her and her other creations, shows up as Grand, La Grand, Zombie, and Louisiana Voodoo. As the mediator between the spirits and the living, Dan maintains balance, order, peace, and communication. So these deities, these spirits, these voodoo would have been commonly known to many of the ethnic groups being brought from very specific regions in West Africa to the New World and then brought and deposited in the Gullah regions of the U.S., the Carolina coast, Georgia, but then, of, of course, New Orleans, Louisiana. We also must look at slavery in our work and understand how groups of families were brought here where the 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 ports were where we would have been debarked from these ships and then we would have been sent out into our, our various uh, locations uh, to do the work um, of, of the oppressive society. And so many of us, when we say, I, I don't know where I'm from, I don't know where my people are from, uh, even in doing the spiritual work, we often have to go back to slavery and ancestry and, and build a bridge there to connect the blanks and, and, and bring us and those ancestors into the present modern uh, demonstration, which is ultimately you. Those ancestors stand up in your blood. They stand up in, in your energy. They stand up in your personality. They stand up in your children and in your grandchildren. And they seek life. They demand life. And, and those things that we generationally overlook, whether it be in our health, whether it be in how we handle economics and finances, our, our stations, if you will, in life, all the things are greatly affected by our ancestry. Easier for us to understand upbringing, childhood, what we endure, if you will, from birth until 18 or, or, or 21. But it takes a, a, a bigger frame of reference to begin to really understand generational energy that continues to show up. And, and even in cases when you are not directly, physically in contact with these family relations, when you know better and understand what you are seeing, you still find the evidence of, you still find the proof of something happens along your journey that brings clarity to why you respond the way you do, why you feel the way you feel, and you get some confirmation of it um, as in some root back to your, your family. So there's no work in voodoo that doesn't involve the ancestors. There's no work. There's no work in voodoo that doesn't involve Morasa, that doesn't involve the divine twins. There's no work in voodoo that doesn't involve Legba. And there's no work in voodoo that doesn't involve sacrifice. And sacrifice, uh, here in the West, we commonly know sacrifice through Yoruba 
language and understanding of Ethel. And we know it to be the chicken, the goat. But it's more than the animal. It's the the offering, the sacrifice, the work, the things that pull energy that go into whatever the endeavor is that you are seeking to bless, fix, bring balance to. The sacrifice cannot be avoided. And sometimes the sacrifice... And maybe I shouldn't say sometime, I should say most times the sacrifice shows up in relation to initiation and how we come into our awareness, our consciousness. Uh, some of us like to call ourselves self-taught. Some of us like to call ourselves self-read. And indeed, there is a journey that is to be respected, that is to be acknowledged of the soul journey the person who has had to come and find themselves and their path and their people and their tradition, primarily through the work of their own hands. But in so doing, there is no escaping of the, of the sacrifice. Sacrifice is not material. The sacrifice is not just humbling yourself to, to an elder or a teacher or a leader, someone who, who contains the secrets and the mysteries of this system of which you're trying to occupy. But the sacrifice is also in our hearts and our minds and our spirits. How committed are we truly to what we say we believe? How committed are we truly to standing up in representation of these traditions wholeheartedly out in the open, without any reservation, how many of you are still checking that, you know, religion box on, on the hospital form? How many of you are still putting church in there? How many of you are still putting other traditions that don't look like you, that don't represent, uh, represent who you are 24 hours a day in your, in your waking existence? How committed are you really? to the protection and the defense and the livelihood of these ancestors that are standing up right now. There's a very unique doorway open right now. There's a very unique portal open right now that's never been existed before that is allowing for a new level of power and demonstration to pass through. And it's only up to us to grasp that, to take hold of that it is visible to many many seek to cultivate that to appropriate that to commercialize that to make some personal benefit of that for themselves I mean not thinking about you or your ancestors and this is a war that's being fought on many dimensional spaces it's being fought economically. It's being fought geographically. It's being fought in the gentrification of many of our communities, communities that these traditions hail from. So when we no longer own the property, the houses, the stores, the churches, within these communities where the culture exists, where then will the culture exist? And, and we're talking about sacred space here, sacred space, 
There are many levels to sacred space. There's sacred ground. There's the sacred tree. There's the sacred grove in, in Oshoko, Nigeria. We, we, we like to think of Congo Square as our sacred grove and our sacred tree. But is it really? Or is it city property? Is it property of the state? Does it belong to the government? Temple space, we like to say temple space is sacred. Your church, your synagogue, your cathedrals. And we acknowledge and respect those as sacred space. But then there's a space that's intradimensional, that can't be marked and charred, that can't be flagged off, that exists within us. We bring Congo Square to Congo Square. Congo Square is a space in a place historic with a mark on a map. But it is indeed Congo Square when we fill that space with our ashe and our energy and we're operating in balance and in unison with the will and the directive of the ancestors. And so just like the story of Lancelot, if I'm recalling correctly, there was an island that people just saw as an island. But to those who were imbued, anointed with this power, this gift, they were able to see the island as a portal, a doorway to, a, to another world, to another dimensional space. So even when we create ritual space, what's ritual space? What's ceremonial space? Is, the chalk, is it the chalk that you lay down? Is, is it the pentagram that you draw on the floor? Is it the candles and, and that you space ever so artistically and, and, and the little crystal next to it? Does that then make sacred space? Or is it deeper than that? Or is it higher than that? And does it then vibrate at a greater degree of energy than that. Our bodies are said to be the temple of the goddess, are said to be the temple of God, are said to be the place where spirit intersects with earth in its most profound demonstration. Our bodies are the sacred space of our very existence. Your feelings, your emotions, your belief, what you think you know and understand and remember, is that attached to your cellular body, is that attached to your vascular body? Show me how that is attached to your skeletal body, your epidermis, or is it operating at another level? Sacred space is something that we contain. It's how we treat ourselves and it's how we allow our true selves, not your body, but your true self to, to interact with all the other energy that exists here on the planet around us, we can confer that power or energy on a moment on hearts. I, I can tell a story of my childhood and my upbringing, and I might be able to reach you at an emotional level. I might be able to reach you at a mental level. You, you might find a point of, of recognition in your own journey. We can confer that sacred space into art. 
And so when I write a book and tell my story, when I paint, 